Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Banta Fodder. This is episode 29. I am your host, Jacob Tender, joined by my co-host... Mike Comite. My name's Mike Comite. That's me. Hi, Mike. You did a good intro. That was a good intro. Thanks. It's my first one in like 20-some episodes. <laughs> you can do them more f- often now. It's okay. I don't mind. <laughs> I, I don't care either. It just so happened that this is how the flow went. So, welcome back. Uh, we are in a new world. Another Star Wars movie is out, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to talk about it. You saw it, right? I saw it. Did you see it solo? I hate you. Um, <laughs> I did not see it solo. I did not. Okay, what about good. you? No, I did not either. Um, I, I did not get to see it in my usual configuration, uh, which is first night with my two buddies Brandon and Drew. This time I went on Saturday which is technically two days after opening night, which that's, is rough. That says volumes, I think. I think it does, and we're going to have to get into this. But um, yeah, it was not my usual configuration. I saw it with my girlfriend this time. How about you? I saw it with Erin. Did she like it? Uh, yeah, I think so. She she did yeah. fall asleep at one point. <laughs> oh, good Lord. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't know how long she fell asleep for, though. Okay. Uh, I'm ashamed to say it, but I didn't go to Jordan's Furniture. Oh, man. I know. I miss the butt kickers so badly. No butt kickers. <laughs> ah, what a shame. Where'd you go? I just saw it at the the multiplex in downtown Brooklyn. It's like a 12-story behemoth of a building, but it's like, it's like I think I, I take at least 10 escalators to get to the theater at every time. It's the same awful theater because I don't pay for the RPX or for the 3D. I saw it in standard with no reserve seating. And it was just a garbage theater with a terrible center audio channel. And I keep going, and I don't know why. And I just miss Jordan so much. Oh, poor Mike. Couldn't make it up to Boston. But that's, I don't know. I feel like the way that we saw the movie is indicative of, I don't know how we if it's how we felt, but like how this movie is being perceived by our culture as a whole. Yeah, that I mean, that's, that's a good thing to, I guess, to get into before we start talking about our personal feelings about it, because this particular star wars movie has not been doing well in the box office in in comparison to other pictures or other star wars pictures specifically because i i mean at the time of recording this movie has done 148.3 million dollars in the box office which is not a small amount of money we're recording on a sunday also tomorrow is memorial day so whenever this comes out that's that's where we are at this point in time yeah and at this point in time people are worried i I, perplexed i I don't really know what the consensus is on the feeling of this people are just kind of they're looking at the numbers of solo a star wars story and they're comparing it to other star wars movies they're comparing it to all star wars movies they're comparing it to the you know global box office debuts of the more recent star wars movies and in pretty much all metrics it's not doing as well it's um it's doing pretty poorly in if you compare it to the domestic box office debuts uh, and estimated ticket sales for all Star Wars movies, um, we're looking at the worst debut since Return of the Jedi. And that's that's not even a fair comparison because the, the original trilogy doesn't even come close to comparing with the prequel trilogy or any of the new movies and sales because it's just a different time in cinema. Um but when you look at Solo and you look at the numbers that it's done so far this weekend and how far it is behind 
the prequel movies. It is it is sort of sad. That BuzzFeed graphic that you retweeted was actually kind of fascinating. I love yeah. the um the New Hope figures where like the opening weekend was like garbage and then mm-hmm. if you look at like the entire domestic thing it was like off the chart it was like the it wasn't it the, the biggest one on that chart yeah yeah no doubt i mean people were going back to see that movie it was in it was in theaters for like a full year maybe more which was insane for that time that's so crazy to me i mean shrek i remember when shrek came out do you remember when shrek came out shrek was in theaters for like a year and a half <laughs> that's so bad because that movie is such trash it's well okay it's it's still fun and for the time it was it was really it was a big big deal (laughs) but for a new hope to be you know to make that much money to make a hundred and you know 60 plus million dollars that's crazy and and that's just like the the post debut gross in theater so that's that's a lot a lot of money um the force awakens is the second as far as like gross goes uh solo is easily well, I mean, it's only been a weekend, so it's it's hard to talk about gross. But as far as opening weekends go, um, it's not been doing great. What's its budget? The budget was two hundred and fifty million, so it's about a hundred million shy. So it's gonna make back its budget for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. <laughs> I mean, I don't think they'll they'll ever make a Star Wars movie that doesn't like you know, I, like two hundred and fifty million. That's that's. I think how I bought these tickets is like honestly just like indicative of of everything like uh, like I, I i bought my tickets on a whim day of hours before you know i didn't walk up to the theater minutes before the show but like i was in manhattan with aaron and we were at like a friend's theater production and i turned to her i was like oh we're near a movie theater do you want to go see solo and she's like yeah i guess we should do it now and we can we kind of just do it to avoid spoilers because like i feel like i could have waited till the blu-ray on this one <laughs> truthfully oh man i know i know Wow. Yeah. I didn't even realize that pre-sales had started and my friend Ben texted me. He was like, he just said Jordan's in like just a one word text. <laughs> it's like, obviously referring to Jordan's furniture where we always see our, the movies. And I was like, oh shoot, I didn't even think of it. And I didn't have enough time to put in for vacation to get up to Boston. And mm-hmm. then it just became like, yeah, I guess we're not going to see it at Jordan's. It's not an episodic film. Yeah. I didn't get, even have to get reserved seating. Like there were still plenty of seats. The entire front of the theater was, was still open. I mean, it's a different thing in the Midwest, obviously. I mean, I think uh, I, I was talking to, you know, my buddy Mark, who's on the uh, Idiots Ray podcast. He was able to go. I think he was able to go opening night for the last like the episodic movie. So he was able to go opening night to The Last Jedi and just buy tickets at the gate. Um, so that's that's kind of the difference here in the Midwest. But for this one, um, we went in on a Saturday and it was myself and my girlfriend. It was not me and my normal group of guys that go into opening night once it least usually twice dudes um dudes 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 so yeah we went out on a saturday and there were not a whole lot of people there um i mean it it wasn't like a small amount it wasn't like the it wasn't like completely empty it wasn't just us i'd say there's you know it was, it was probably about a quarter full um but yeah it was a different feeling going to see a new star wars movie with that sort of atmosphere usually you know as i've been used to since 2015 at least it's been a packed house and a lot of excited fans who obviously pre-ordered tickets and were all excited to be there and wanted to see it first thing. Um, it was definitely a different experience, but like you, I didn't even think about pre-ordering my tickets this time. Like I, I, it kind of snuck up on me. And of course this is may I'm usually thinking about buying my Star Wars tickets in October to go see it in December. (laughs) So I, 
I don't know. I, I think that kind of played into quite a bit of it, but yeah, this is a, it, it was a different release and I wonder how much of the time change played into it. I wonder how much of the directorial issues that they had played into it. There's a lot going on with this movie that kind of, that kind of set it up for, I don't know if failure is the right word because it's it's still a it's Star Wars not. movie. It's going to do really well. And it's not because it wasn't even a bad movie either. No, like. it wasn't. That, that's <laughs> the thing. I don't want to like I don't want to like bury the lead on this one. It was a good movie. I think people should go and see that. I even tweeted that today when I when I retweeted these Bud, Buzzfeed graphics. It's it's a good movie. People should go see it. Um, but I don't know. The marketing wasn't really there. I, I feel like they they kind of held back on the marketing and I'm not really sure why. Cause I think, I mean, who knows what happened? There was that copyright infringement with the posters. Did you read about that at all? No, there was some, no. like there was some of the graphics. I think the red, like in the letters kind of character posters, uh-huh. some artist like was just like, you guys are stop it. Why are you doing this? You guys are just ripping me off. And they posted his work next to theirs and it was like very clearly an imitation like it, down to the color palette and the the, f- the format and everything like that it was very clear ripoff th- th- that should pop up on like any news search that you do like for the for the solo movie oh man i'll have uh, to look into that so they definitely had to pull promotional stuff and like probably revise their entire campaign <laughs> this movie has just been plagued from like day one yeah i don't know how much of it do you think is because of the whole lord miller situation I don't know if that would dissuade anybody to not well, see it. You know, I mean, like, everything that kind of like came as a result of that. I mean, obviously, like maybe not a whole lot of people are paying attention to who was actually directing this movie. I think a lot of people probably went into this movie not knowing that Ron Howard's name was even attached. You know what I mean? But how much of like the fallout from the production issues that came as a result of Lord and Miller potentially plagued or delayed what could have been a, a pretty good press run for this movie? I I honestly don't think anything did. Like okay. I, I think like Rogue One had reshoots, and mm-hmm. I think well, Rogue a lot One, of movies have reshoots. Rogue One had yeah, no, oh, definitely. But like Rogue One opened to huge like success. I think like oh, I, that was one I did commit to going back up to Boston for. And I think I think you hit it with like time of the year probably. Mm-hmm. Because not only is it not the holiday season where everybody's in one spot, you know, traditionally in mm-hmm. the United States at least, um, you get a lot of people migrating home and... And seeing the movies in groups usually. Right. And... Finished opening up the presents. Let's go see Star Wars again for the third time. I think that's just a, a, a tender household moment. <laughs> but um, but I, I know where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think it's time of the year, and it's also weird, too, because I, I think superhero fatigue has a little bit to do with it. And I know it's not, Star Wars is not typically a superhero movie, but this just, like, you know, off the tail of Black Panther, off the tail of Infinity War, you know, yeah. it's I mean, just... It, right off the tail of Infinity War, you know? Movies, yeah. It's a and really, it's a, really, really big deal. And it's a Disney movie, too, so it's like Disney's just shooting itself in the foot, and that's why they moved Solo back, or they moved Infinity War up. One of the two of them was moved from uh, May to April, or or vice versa, you know? I, I don't know. I, I personally, I love the Christmas schedule. It's, I mean, it's convenient for me. I feel like it's easier to go see the movie without, like, a ton of things in the way. Like, this time of the year, like, summertime, it's always very, you know, summer for students may be um, super convenient. And I'm a student, too, so, like, you'd think it'd be okay. But, like, I have so much going on. 
right now that it's it wasn't even like uh, it wasn't even in my mind to pre-order tickets and to plan to you know go the first night like i had to work in the morning like this is the first time when a star wars movie came out where i felt like oh shit i'm an adult like i can't i can't go see this on a whim on on opening night i'm gonna have to wait for the weekend and so i had to stay off twitter for a couple days it was like a whole big thing and yeah like i within the past couple of months, like I just went and saw like a couple of movies. Like I think what's what Disney Lucasfilm wants is to get star Wars back into that summer blockbuster mode that it used to be in. And I've, we've probably talked about this before, but I don't know. Like this is the time of year I go see more movies in the theater than any other time of the year because I don't have air conditioning. It's very cool and nice in the, <laughs> in the movie theater. This is when a lot of good movies come out, but like I don't need star Wars to be a part of that. I like to go see a bunch of really great movies during the summer. And then during the winter time, I like to go see like the Oscar nomination films. And then my big sci-fi picture of that season is star Wars. I mean, for the past couple of years at least. So I don't know. It, it was a weird thing. And I, I think that's, it's probably done more to hurt this movie than it has been to 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 make it better and i don't i don't know if there's any truth to that i guess we'll have to see when the next star wars movie comes out but that's going to be an episodic movie and that's going to be in may or june so you know what i didn't think about um do you think the last jedi affected this at all like uh, a star wars movie came out you know five months ago and, <laughs> and now well, we have another one i mean star wars fatigue is is like part a of that but part b is like the you know like the harsh reaction that a lot of people had to last mm. jedi do you think that like because we can we can talk we can kind of seg this into the the critical reception of this movie or like the i guess the audience score is is probably more what i'm like leaning towards talking about right now because i feel like every person who didn't like the last jedi is really into solo hmm okay well let's uh let's put the scores out there as they are right now uh google users i think we talked about this metric before it's really interesting it's usually the highest uh 82 percent of google users who vote on solo star wars movie like this movie 71 percent on rotten tomatoes uh is that the which score is that that's the critic score okay that's the critic score what did what do they have the for the audience I think they made it to 60% today. It was like 55 when I saw it last night. Okay, but that was before like anybody saw the damn movie. So, yeah, 60% is what it's at right now. Den of Geek has a 3 out of 5. Metacritic, which is the one I generally go by, is a 63 yeah. at the moment. Um, that's about right. That That's exactly where I fall on this one. Yeah, so this is, a, this is an interesting movie for a lot of reasons. I think Solo is the movie nobody asked for. Um, I don't think a whole lot of people really wanted the backstory of Han Solo. I think there are the, there's a contingent of people that were the EU fans and they, they like the adventures of Han Solo, you know, all the different Han Solo books that have come out. They, they like those stories. Um, but I, I've seen a lot of reactions after this movie from, you know, maybe not movie critics, but really intelligent people that I admire that, have been fans of star Wars since the movies came out and their idea is that the story of Han Solo is not necessarily one that they wanted to hear. Like the mystery of Han Solo made him an interesting character. And what we have now is some backstory and you know, we've seen him complete the Kessel run. We've seen him meet Chewie. Like we, we know the origin of all the things that 
made him so important to us down to the blaster and they hit every check mark it was yeah they, i mean they really did <laughs> they they went down the line they're like okay what makes han solo cool and then they provide a backstory for all of that and i don't think anybody was really asking for it and i think we can separate that from whether or not we like this movie or not but do you, was this something that you know we've talked about this before but going into this movie was this something you're actually interested in or or not I, I feel like i know the answer but it's it's probably worth you saying you know the answer you, <laughs> you mean you have to go back like what like a year in the podcast and you'll see how we were talking about yeah. it I yeah. was really into it when Lord and Miller were attached. I was like, oh, I want to <laughs> see, I want to see Ace Ventura in space. You know, like yeah. I want to see. Um, honestly, I don't know if I would have liked that. So I'm, I, it's fine. You know, what we got is good. But mm-hmm. no, I, I, I didn't care about this movie. If I, if I mean, I was way more ready for Infinity War. Infinity War, I'm, I'm like on the edge of my seat about that whole thing. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, no, like the, this, I. I think it's like it's weird to have an installation into a universe like a like a greater cinematic universe that has no bearing on the trajectory of that universe you know what i mean like Mm. in like every marvel movie that comes out which i don't i don't know if i'll feel the same about captain marvel that's coming out next year um but every marvel movie that comes out i feel like has contributed in some way to the greater marvel universe uh trajectory meaning like whether it's like stupid like blue thanos at the end of of uh, avengers 2 or like whatever like setting up the tesseract at the end of thor just stuff it's like it's it's moving towards something and i'm not saying i need like post credit scenes in star wars movies but it's weird to like jump back in time and then fill in some gaps that really don't have any bearing on what's happening in episode 9 or something like that like rogue one you could even say like okay like i i feel i felt similar to rogue one like it's just it's a it's a cool story but again it's not an investment for me to know Mm -hmm. about these people that did this thing you know like it could have gone unsaid and i wouldn't have batted an eyelash whereas the episodic films are like they're moving somewhere you know they're, they're they're greater galactic movements you know it's a huge conflict and the anthology movies is that yeah we're the Star Wars stories, those are like little like glimpses, like little microcosms of that universe. Yeah, with the episodic movies, I mean you're you're there's an investment to be made. Like if you if you're gonna buy into this, like it's something that you know you're gonna be looking forward to. You're you're buying into the first one knowing that there will be a second, and you're buying into the second knowing that there will at least be a third. So it's it's a different sort of thing, and I think that's probably you know a huge reason why the sales for those ones are a lot bigger. Um, but this one, it's just uh, man, I don't know. Like it, it's 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 going to be weird to talk about this movie because I did like it, I really did. I thought it was a lot of fun, and I you know there are a couple qualms here and there, but I walked out of this one feeling like man, hey, that was man, that was good because <laughs> I, I came into it thinking like. I'm not sure about this. Like for one, the last movie, it, yeah, it kind of shook me a little bit. And this one, I wasn't, it wasn't like the anthology anthology movie. I was even looking forward to the most. And I came out of it thinking, man, that was great. And it was just completely, you know, you walked out of it saying it was the great. reverse. Yeah. I was, I, I thought I had a lot of fun with it. I really, I really enjoyed it and may really liked it too. We both walked out thinking like, 
wow like i think we both were like thinking man that i didn't really expect to like that one quite as much and it was a completely different feeling to what i had when i walked out of the last jedi really i because i i had so much more fun at last jedi like think of all the cool stuff that happened in last jedi yeah but there was there was so much more stuff that it was just like uh like <laughs> people don't have to hear us rehash it here but i there was a lot of stuff in the last jedi that i i don't know they were just like weird storytelling choices it was enough stuff to pull me out of the movie that i was like uh this one i was only pulled out of the movie one time and it was only for like a few seconds it wasn't very long you know it was it was long enough that like by the time i came back in i really didn't miss much like put a pin in that, that I, I definitely want to know that <laughs> i want to know more about that in a minute i, I think it's the same moment you probably have just from the limited amount that we've we've talked to each other about this i have to be very careful when i when i even like tweet about this movie because mike is on twitter and i never know when he's gonna log on and see something that i say and then text me all mad <laughs> <laughs> about spoilers or what yeah well yeah i didn't want to spoil you you know about i'm not gonna spoil anybody about the story on my twitter but i didn't specifically didn't want to spoil you about my own reaction towards the movie because i knew that it would color the way that you're going into it knowing that you're gonna have to talk to me about this at some point i so, just thought you were gonna like it that's really <laughs> yeah so um you weren't looking forward to this one nearly as much as the infinity war, which I also saw. This is not a Marvel podcast, but, uh, yeah, that movie was, it was pretty good. I liked it. It was the, it was the first Avengers movie. I thought, yeah, I actually kind of enjoyed that. I mean, it kicked the head. It was just <laughs> so much better than Avengers two, which I still haven't finished. By the way, people check out my co-host, Mike commentary here on episode 82 of the welcome to geekdom podcast. He was talking about captain America civil war in the lead up to, um, uh, the new Avengers movie. Uh, the host there, Deanna, she's a good friend of ours and she was trying to talk about as many of the Avengers related Marvel films as possible for the movie came out. I don't think she hit all of them. Did she? She get all no. Them? We actually have more slate. She she invited me back to do Ragnarok, so we're gonna be doing okay. that soon. Okay, yeah, cool. more well, she didn't done. get all of them, but there's so many of them. I don't know how she could have possibly handled that. That's anyway, nine. So. That's like 19 episodes of podcast to do. You know, in, <laughs> so that's like 19 weeks that she would have had to plan out beforehand, or however often she releases. It looks so, like she got quite a few of them done, but yeah, she so did. Check oh, Mike sure. out on that. Um, it, it's good stuff. If you want to listen to Mike talk about Marvel with somebody, oh, I gush, I gush so hard about Captain America: Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> i like that one a lot i went and saw the the cleveland premiere it's it my favorite of all of them anyway uh han solo. okay so solo the movie we're talking about that we can't really seem to focus on <laughs> han solo so i'm coming into this the least prepared that i've ever been on this podcast for any movie but i'm excited because i like this movie i didn't not like it you know <laughs> okay that's a start I, but I will say this to get us right off, get the ball rolling with it. I was so mad for the first probably 10 to 15 minutes of this movie. Why? I don't know. I think I, I think it's part of it's coming in, you know, with low expectations and like just kind of being being like stupid about it. You know, me, me being stupid, just being like, oh, this is to me stupid, like a, a negative Nancy. I think that was most of it. Um, a pessimist Peter, if you will. Mm-hmm. And... Um, <laughs> But I mean, the the you get the long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and then you know my mind goes back to like, oh, I haven't even thought about a crawl for this movie, which obviously we know we don't get with the anthology films. But then I thought about Rogue One, and I'm like, oh, what's about to happen? Oh, we're gonna like jump to a planet and get the title card. Nope, we're gonna get a crawl. 
it's not a crawl. They just took the crawl and broke it up into like four <laughs> paragraphs and then fit, did fade outs and fade ins. In the blue text. In the blue text. And here's the thing with the blue text. I have found that the blue text is great for one title card. Like one little bit of text, like two lines at max. Any more than that, it's actually hard to read, especially like the I was more panicking. it spread across the, the thing. I felt like I wasn't going to be able to read it in time. I was actually like, I found myself rereading lines. That is so funny. I kept jumping and I was like, oh shoot, my mind is such, I don't know when it's going to fade <laughs> out. I kept jumping down to the next line trying to get like the most important part of this thing. I was like, yeah, this is so bad. Like, cause the thing about the crawl is like, yeah, you're rushing to read it the first time. Like when you haven't seen the movie before and you're trying to read the crawl for the first time, you're rushing. But the thing is, you know how fast it's going. So your mind is able to process that and like keep up. But when you don't know when it's going to fade away, you're like, shit, shit, shit. I, <laughs> I reread this first line three times. Am I gonna have enough time i think i got it down but here's the thing i don't remember what it said at all <laughs> it just it just basically said that you know the galaxy is a mess right now crime syndicates are doing a bunch of stuff and they probably named the crime syndicate that han was a part of the mother uh what's her name i don't know Coraline. i forget what the giant uh hot dog that oh, came out of the water was name was the uh the 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 uh Cor- Abraxia or something like that. Proxima, 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 Lady Proxima, Lady Proxima. So I mean, let's just keep going. Um, okay, so you get that stupid crawl. That's not a crawl. That just gave me anxiety. And uh, <laughs> then we end up in. I wonder if that's a common thing. Like if you and I both kind of felt that way. I wonder if more like other people felt that way too about the. But we're, I feel like we're never on the same page with a lot of things. But to be on the same page about the crawls dressing us out says a lot. Yeah. Okay, so the crawl, I think the the text at the beginning was very similar to any other crawl in which it set up the events immediately that were about to follow the text fading away, like almost to the point where it didn't matter because they're about to show it to us anyway and give everybody's name over again. Um, what was it? So we just see like, how do you feel about the intro to Han? Well, the intro was just him like stealing the car, right? It was right, just, like, hot wiring a car, but like you get yeah. the flashes of light, and the, so it's like kind of stroby on his face or something like that, and that's how they do the reveal. Yeah, I think it was even a couple of the shots that were in the trailer. I mean, this whole first scene was from the trailer, I think. Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, if you're going to start out a, a Han Solo movie, kind of like talking about his his origins, take him right back to where he started and how he kind of became Han Solo, and that's you know, boosting speeders. And hanging up those dice. Yeah, I mean, I thought that we were going to get, like, an origin story on the the dice, but instead we were just told that they exist, (laughs) which is a bummer to me. Like, they hit every box except for the dice. Yeah, they didn't explain where the dice came from, but do you think that they would have, like, do you think they would have made such a big deal about the dice if not for the last Star Wars movie? Um, that's a good question. We talked about this before when the last Star Wars movie came out, we were talking about how like the dice weren't like really a major thing. They, it was just kind of like a, a cute callback. I had no idea there was even a callback. I didn't even know what Luke was handing Leia. I didn't know anything that was going on in that scene as far as the right. dice go. So I, I, I think that's sort of just like a tie in to the, the more major series. Now that people have seen that movie there, it's going to be something it'll, it'll be like almost like a nostalgic moment for the people that, weren't nostalgic already for those dice the first time they saw them yeah it's, i think it's just a further a way to like further the mythos for like people 10 years down the line being like there's those dice that we saw oh my gosh those dice but do you think they're from his father oh man like that doesn't matter it doesn't matter because we'll I don't never know, know. I, I guess we'll never know and he that was a thing that came up later he did talk about his dad didn't he like just very briefly 
like I, I'm gonna jump so far ahead right now, but this this sequel is going to involve his dad. It's gonna be straight up Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, and it's gonna be a father story. He's gonna have to go against his dad, and oh man, that's <laughs> what okay. I'm just calling it right now. I'm just calling it right now. It's it's gonna happen. We got we got to save that because the sequel talk that that's gotta come to the end because I there's so much I want to know about that. But let's uh, let's keep going. Okay, so Kira comes into the movie really quickly. I was actually kind of surprised. The trailers were like all her fancy. I imagine she was upper class immediately. I didn't know she was Karelian. I haven't read anything about the character synopses before the movie, so I didn't really know what was going on. I thought maybe it was going to be like her, something something about like her or somebody that she was involved with that Han was going to be stealing from. Which is not altogether incorrect in the grand scheme of things. Not really, but she was, she was more involved with Han from the start. And I think... Yeah, I mean, obviously, that's ridiculously important to this movie. That's why I was mad, because, like, this Han was just so, like, talking about, like, taking on the universe and escaping and, like, the kissing, you know, and, like, Mm -hmm. it was just, like... He looked too old to be that enthusiastic. Like, I don't know know how how old Alden Ehrenreich is. I imagine he's, like, 30-something. And I don't know how old he was supposed to be playing in this. And, like, the timeline also really isn't clear. We get the three years later, moments later. But, like, I don't know how old Han is supposed to be, you know? like Yeah, but the problem is he's probably around the age that Harrison Ford was when he was playing Han Solo around the same time. And it's a different actor, so you're you're. But it's a different time period, though, is what I'm saying. Like, is Han, is Alden Ehrenreich supposed to be playing 19 in this? Is he supposed to be like? It's all, I don't know. We're, the timeline thing will have to be again when we're talking about sequels. We'll have to figure out where this movie falls in the timeline specifically. But I like, believe from what I've seen, I think Leland Chi might have posted something the other day. I think it takes place uh, definitely after episode three but before rebels well we have like star destroyers and everything and yeah well they're being built they're it looked like the the star destroyers were being built on corellia i think that based on the final reveal that i think you and i were going to talk about um is is it has to be before rebels i would say i mean it's tough to place but i think you're right like the the all naren right i i still think he's a good pick as far as looks go i think if you're going to pick somebody that it has to look somewhat like a young Harrison Ford. He's not bad. You mentioned he was probably wearing a hairpiece, though. Remember we watched the trailer and you're like, is that hairpiece? Is he wearing a wig? That that did not come up in the movie. I did not feel that way when the movie. Oh, I thought all I could think of was hairpiece the whole movie. <laughs> really? Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know. It was just this unnatural flair. It might have just been like a really weird clip that I saw, but it's just like, it looked like a piece. But as I was watching the movie, I was looking for it. He had this like weird Bob thing going in the back of it. That just was like a little off. And like, <laughs> hey man, it wasn't as relaxed. Some of us as, deal like, with bulk. Okay. We can't all have long, luscious flowing hair. Like Mike Comete. All right. I Some of have us have, anymore. have volume. <laughs> we use mane and tail. We have, we have problems we got to deal with. And this was not that kind of problem. Um, all right. All right. But anyway, but like, yeah, we get Han being like a, a weird dude and like the, the thermal detonator trick is there. Like, <laughs> Looks like a rock. Yeah. You just made that sound with your <laughs> you mouth. You made that sound with your mouth. I'm not going to lie. I laughed and may laughed and uh, plenty of other people in the theater laughed. It was just so like that whole scene was just corny enough that it worked for me. Cause it was like that, that creature, the, the lady Proxima was 
she was just the perfect kind of physical character because I'm almost positive that was a puppet. Yeah, I think I think there's a lot of practical stuff in this movie. And I like that. It was so good. It was like it just felt right. And that whole scene was cool because it was all like it was all doused in blue. And I've never really seen that for so long in a movie before. Like you've seen stuff that's like all red. You know, there's probably even some shots in Fight Club, which I recently finally watched for the first time. But (laughs) it was like all doused in blue. And I thought that was really neat. And like, okay, this is like this is a neat little thing. There's all these little like beggar kids It's very, uh, very Oliver Twist. Yeah, very Oliver Twist for sure. And then he meets up with Kira. It's like, okay, she's in this movie now. Like, that's interesting. Like here's, here's some backstory. He has a lady friend very, very early. And we know at some point just from the trailers that she's going to end up, you know, high fluting somewhere. But then we get brought into like this Corellia crime boss and like, it's not what you expect. It's kind of like Jabba, but a little bit different. And I thought the puppeteering was cool. I don't know. I I wonder how other people like thought about that, but it was it was neat to me. I actually I want to see more behind the scenes of of that character for sure. It it definitely the dialogue in that scene struck me as like a, a Lord and Miller like kind of take on things. Although I mean, a script is a script, but like it, it struck me as like an on scene like improv thing that they would have instructed for him to like make the sound with his mouth. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that they didn't? focus on that sound making with the mouth like it was like a really quick cut like it, it wasn't obvious yeah well it it had me thinking about it because he made he made the noise i'm like wait Did they just substitute a sound effect with his Did mouth he just do that <laughs> it's like when um obi-wan uh ewan mcgregor and couldn't stop making the whoosh noises with the lightsabers when he was fighting with them during like episode <laughs> one and everything and like the guy training him was like you need to stop making the sound effects with your mouth you don't have to do that <laughs> that's i thought they just did that by accident on the scene and then left it in (laughs) yeah and and like that strikes me as like a lord miller thing like i couldn't see lawrence kasdan and and james lawrence and james kasdan right yeah yeah i couldn't see them putting that that script has to leak at some point if it hasn't already i'll have to look into that there's a lot of stuff like i don't want to get too far into like the could i see harrison ford delivering that stuff because harrison ford could deliver that stuff you know and you're also looking at a Han Solo that is, I don't, I don't know, I don't know, 20 years younger, 15 years younger, 10 years younger, just question mark, um, mm-hmm. than what we're seeing. So, like, clearly any slowness that you perceive to Han Solo in A New Hope and later is could be the result of age and experience. So, like, yeah, okay, a sprightly Han Solo is to be expected. So I, I, I can't get focused on, like, how well Alden Ehrenreich did or not. I will say that he seemed to care a little too much. He was a little bit too much of an eager beaver overachiever in this movie. That's as far as I'll, I'll take it, though, as far as comparing him to the Han Solo of late, later. I think he did well. I We were talking about this last episode, I think, and, you know, it's, it's hard to say in just the trailers, like, how he's going to do with this. But having seen the movie, I definitely think there were a lot of moments where he seemed to be trying yeah, a little too beaver. hard an eager beaver. and it, it didn't seem quite. Yeah, for sure. I, I think you're, no, you're totally right. There was a ton of moments like that, but there were some moments where he nailed it. You know what I mean? Like there were moments where he just like, he made like little, little quips that were just like delivered so well. I wouldn't say that he like got it all the way through, but he came really close. I mean, it's, it, that's a hard job to take like Harrison Ford, man. Like, he was a very unique actor. If you watch any of the Star Wars movies, watch any of the Indiana Jones movies, he's very unique. Like it's hard to mimic 
what it was that made Harrison Ford special in those iconic roles. So I think he did well with those. Um, I think Donald Glover is going to come out of this with the better critical reception for his portrayal of a, of a loved character. Um, for good reason, he did a very good job, but also, I mean, Lando had a lot less backstory and I think, you know, Donald Glover was able to take what he was able to practice, um, and expound on that in a way that maybe Alden Ehrenreich wasn't able to with somebody who had a lot more screen time. When I, when I'm talking about like the eager beaver there, I, I think Han, the character, not Alden Ehrenreich, I think Alden Ehrenreich did it, did it everything he could and did every, did it the best he could. Um, and it was fine. Um, but like, as far as Han goes, he seemed to care too much about a lot of things. And I never imagined Han Solo as someone who cared about much besides himself. And maybe that was maybe that's maybe the point, that's of, this the point movie. of this movie. Yeah, yeah, I guess. But that's the same thing because then it undermines it. Because I mean, okay, you say like, oh, he cared about Kira, and then he got two time. Or I guess he got duped by Kira in the end, and he learned his lesson. But then he also helped the rebels out, so he learned his lesson. But is also like it's just is he a good guy or is he selfish? And I think one critic on Rotten Tomatoes, like his standout quote, was like. It undermines his like Han Solo's heroism that happens later on in the series, based on mm. like because if he does the right thing in this movie, and then he goes back to being like I mean yeah he's he's human he's a character so he's entitled to make as many character changes as he needs to to get to where he needs to be but I just think that he 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 seems to care way less about the rebellion and everything in a new hope. And I'm certain that there's going to be more sequels to figure out how he got to that point. But man, I think I disagree with that. Really? Yeah. Like thinking about it, you know, I I think the one thing I can take from this movie that actually might've benefited Han Solo as a character is sort of explaining both why he was the way he was when Luke and Obi-Wan run into him in the cantina and why he was able to turn it around so quickly because in a new hope when they meet him he's you know he's just like this no good you know just kind of like selfish on his own cocky smuggler who doesn't really care about anything bigger and that's kind of the case throughout the whole movie but i think this particular movie explains why he's that way because I think initially he did care like at the very beginning, like everything he does was for a certain cause. It was for himself and for love. It was for, you know, how much he cared for Kira. And so when the result of this movie ends up that like everything that he does, like all of these, you know, all of these like crimes that he committed, all of these like things that he's gone through all ends up with like Kira just leaving and, and choosing prestige and power over him like that's gonna sour him and i think he carries that into his next job which takes him to tatooine and that kind of leads us up into where we're going with han solo and then at the end of a new hope he he's able to find his way back to where he was because i i think what we get with han solo at the end of a new hope and into empire strikes back is the real han solo and like yeah there's still that little bit of like uh, I don't want people to think I'm a softie, but like he does care. And as Carrie even said in the, the thing, like he's the hero. He's the good guy. I think she said he's the good guy. And he says, he no, is I'm the not. good guy. He, yeah, he, he 
he desperately wants people to believe that he's not he they want he wants people to think that he's just like this like you know ragamuffin nobody who happens to also be really good at flying like he wants to play himself down so he can seem more impressive and he also doesn't want to necessarily be like the hero but i mean inherently he's good but doesn't that that's what i mean by or i think that's what the critic means and that's what i sort of agree with by how it undermines the later heroism because like not that he's not heroic and not that it doesn't mean anything but like if han is just always the guy that is gonna like on his own i mean he's the one who was trying to coach beckett into uh doing the right thing for the rebe- the rebellion afterwards you know like or with the was it the the caraxium or was it the the hyper fuel hyper drive fuel whatever it's called clearly important um if he's just the guy that always is going to do the right thing then why was it it's not really a surprise then that he came back to help luke on the death star run you know, like it's not a huge surprise that he, you know, was it became a general of the rebellion. Well, I, I guess we could dig into it deeper. Like maybe that's maybe we, I mean we could probably do a whole episode just on the motivations of of Han Solo. Now that we know this, and we can dig into how this plays into what we knew of him already. Because I, you know, I don't think he was just inherently going to like dive deeper into the Death Star to rescue some random princess obviously greed was a motivator for that but as time went on like and he began to care for new people like he found a new group he found a new tribe like his inherent good came out because you know that's just who he is he just didn't have he didn't have trust in anybody at that point except for chewbacca right but it's less of a character change it's right less of a character like arc for someone to just continuously act like a jerk and then do the right thing repeatedly in every single movie. It's not as interesting. Well, I would say that the arc now starts here and the arc that we have is, is Han Solo who then becomes bitter Han Solo and is then later redeemed. And then at some point, you know, I, there's the the second arc, which comes with this whole relationship with his son. But I mean, it's, it's, it's becoming like a, I mean, it's a much bigger thing now, which makes him a more complex character. You know, like before, when, before we had any of these newer movies, we had Han Solo and we could say that he had an arc and that's what we knew of him. And now this solo movie, it adds new complexity to the character and the, you know, the, the sequel movies, those add even more complexity to the character. So we can't like simplify it down to one arc. It's, it's a character who is living, breathing, and has a full life, which has lots of arcs. I mean, it, you just think about any of you that are listening to this podcast. I'm sure you could listen, you could look back at yourself in high school and say, yeah, I'm not that guy. You know, things change and you have different arcs. You learn new things and you change as a result of that with the help of people that come in and out of your life. So I think that's what we're, we're I think we can look forward to seeing with more and more Star Wars movies. Um, this one's interesting because I don't think we're going to get like a standalone Luke movie or a standalone princess Leia movie, but this is something that we can look at as we get movies like Han Solo where we get characters and we're able to, to add to their story and see like, okay, like, wow. Okay. Um, there's more to him than meets the eye and maybe people aren't going to like the whole backstory with Kira and this whole thing is going to just gonna be a wash for, for some people, but that's fine. You know, the people that are interested in it and are willing to buy into it are going to look at it and be like, yeah, this adds some complexity to a character that I am interested in. And, you know, we know the end of his story, so why not go back a little further and give him a little more depth? 
I feel like there's so much I wanted to talk about, but I might just be confusing that desire to say something with like the desire to put like emphasis on like all the cool things, like the cool callbacks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess like to speak like broadly, I got the movie cause we talked about the star Wars sandbox a lot and how it's very small. And I liked how this movie made me feel like we were still in the sandbox, but there were so many more corners of it to explore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have those like archetype planets, I guess. And you get those. Now we have more of those archetype characters that we kind of revealed in rogue one, like the heavy, the monk, um, the rogues, not rogue one, but like the idea of a rogue, um, you know, just like all, all those character archetypes, we kind of got some more here. We have like the rebellious droid, like the, the, I, I don't know what you call it. Like <laughs> the SG, activist? A, a, the SJW, um, yeah. droid. Um, and how funny know. was that droid? So much sass so and it's, good. and it's part of the, part of the Falcon. And that's an interesting thing. Um, somebody shared a, uh, a tweet. I'll have to see if I can dig that up. They, they pulled out excerpts from one of the novels. It, it may have been force awakens. I'm not sure. They were talking about the, the Falcon and the different, like, the, I guess there are like th- at least three different droid minds that are like in the Falcon, like part of the Falcon. And so now like re, reading those like you can you can think about them a little bit a little bit differently because we've at least met one of those minds and we know like you know like how crazy (laughs) they were and like how much how cantankerous they were like what we get with l337 which is a really stupid name but what we get with this character is not just like a another funny droid it's it's a piece of the Falcon because it's, it's like, we know that the like the Falcon is, is like this weird, um, almost self-aware, stubborn vehicle. And it's not just parts like it, there, there's like a personality to the Falcon. And what we were able to see is like in, in the personality of the Falcon incarnate, like walking around freeing droids, like, you know, being cantankerous in person and we were able to get to know that character before you know we learn more about the ship because the ship wasn't even like i mean it was, it was a big part of it obviously like it it was the main vehicle in the film but we it didn't have that same personality until l3 died or whatever and was brought into the ship and then when Han actually got the ship and flew off, you know, like you didn't really, I never, I didn't really feel the vibe of the millennium Falcon until that happened until she got taken into the, yeah. I mean, it was just like, okay, like this is like, all right, we're, we're still figuring out how the Falcon plays into Han. Like he still doesn't really own it yet. And he, we're not really sure. Well, he also didn't get to drive the Falcon or fly. He didn't get to fly the Falcon until that point. And he also yeah. didn't get to eject the escape pod and make it look like the Falcon or lose the antenna again. Or call it her. You know what I mean? Like now, like there's a reason why the Millennium Falcon is called her and probably more or less because of this feminine droid that we got to see in this movie. I thought that was interesting. I think that's, I mean, that's clever. Like, I, I think if, if you take it on the face of it, it's it's not like that big of a deal. But if you if you think from the writer's perspective, like how do we, how do we give the millennium Falcon a backstory in this movie about Han Solo? Because like the two of them are so intertwined, like you can't have one without the other Han Solo and the Falcon. Like they are a pair. How do you give a ship a backstory without just saying like, this is where it was built. This is where it was bought from. Like 
it's not a used car. This is the Millennium Falcon, for God's sake. Like, it has personality. There's there's a history to it. And I thought that was kind of an interesting way to, to give it that personality was to show the droid that kind of made its mind. It's interesting that, like, I, I know we don't really get a lot of Lando. I think Lando's another, like... I think Lando is arguably more important than like Boba Fett type characters that are like have such prestige, even though they had so little to like to do in the movies. No screen time. Um, Yeah. But uh, I think it's also weird that we don't get to see like Lando like pining in the Falcon, you know, like he definitely, I guess you could look at like the best spin scene where he, you know, the Falcon shows up. He's like, what did you do to my ship? And, you know, and like the, when he gets to fly it in return of the Jedi again, You'd think like if he's interfacing with like his old flame, you know, if, if what do you, t- <laughs> I guess this is another question to ask. Do you take what, what Leet, what L337 says at face value regarding her romance with Lando? <laughs> or do you think she's projecting? I don't him? know. I think I thought that was projection, but I mean, he did obviously have a, a very strong attachment to that droid. I don't, I I don't think there's anything romantic there. I think that'd be silly. Um, and if that were true, that, that, that brings up a whole another set of questions about Lobot. You think that's also for like the first like sex reference made in Star Wars, right? Like, how, how does that work? It works. Oh well, yeah, that and then well, also in that movie, um, when she was checking out all the capes and she asked that question, and he like, well, I think first we'll probably talk and and see what's been up, and then and then she cuts him off, like, and she said, "What are we going to do now?" and he made a move. Uh, <laughs> yes. Okay. I, I know what you're talking about. You don't have to describe it any more detail. <laughs> if it makes you uncomfortable, Jacob. No, um, it was, yeah, that was, I mean, that too made me uncomfortable because I think that's part of the, that's part of the Han Solo. We don't want to think about is like the weird, like creepy pervy one that we see in like empire when he's got like Leia cornered. Cause he just did the same exact thing to Kira. It's like a sick move. It's like cornering a female in a Falcon quarter. Yeah. He's like the, just the creepy dude, like the pickup artist that brings like a, a, someone back to their apartment and like starts perving on them or whatever. You know, I don't know. It's just like a, I was surprised they highlighted that aspect of Han. And I figured given the social climate now, um, that they probably would have steered away from like, I think they're able to get away with it here because there's an inherent history between the two of the characters. I mean, obviously between Han and Leia, there's not quite as much. And that's still like a little weird. Like she's, you know, historically Leia, whenever he makes a move has like fended him off. Now with Kira, like they had a romantic history. Like she said she loved him before they were separated. Like, and they're finally, you know, this is the first time they've ever had any like alone time together. So, you know, I, I can, I can kind of see how you can get a pass there, but yeah, it was, I mean, it's definitely weird because there's not a whole lot of innuendo in a, in a lot of Star Wars movies. And I'm sure maybe some people listening to this will be able to think of a couple that we're forgetting, but, but no, to, to bring it, to, to bring it back around to the Lando L3 thing. I don't think that was a, so much of a thing. Yeah. I, I wondered if she was like kind of bragging almost to make, kira jealous or like to gossip i don't know if that was a i like the whole um the whole like you know it's just us it's just the girls kind of thing (laughs) and to me that that actually it it reminded me more of doctor who than anything else because the doctor's tardis is supposed to have like a, a feminine mind so i think there was there have been moments like that between um 
between the TARDIS and other women where like the TARDIS sort of gives preference to the woman on board rather than the doctor because <laughs> <laughs> she spends so much time with the guys. I thought that was kind of funny. But Lando, what'd you think? I thought, I, I mean, like he's just doing a Billy D. Williams impression, right? Yeah, but pretty good and pretty consistent, right? And I, I think he was able to like take it to a new place, which isn't hard. Like I said, there's not a whole lot of Lando material to deal with in the movies, but I think he took it to that place, but kept it very true. Like there was never really a moment where I was like taken out of the character Orlando. I think he played it very, very truthfully. Well, people say that he's going to like, he's like the, the best part of this movie. I don't think his character had anything to do. No, I mean, he, he was, he was a vehicle. I thought Woody Harrelson was like the, stole the show in this thing. Like he was my favorite for sure. Um, but like, as far as Lando goes, like he didn't do anything. He was like the means to the, end i guess in terms of having the ship but he didn't really contribute much besides you know the ship like that yeah that was it like he you know he he was brought into it and like i thought like he was gonna have expertise and connections to like make this deal happen but then it was basically they just need a ship and but he needed them to break the impound on it you know like it was a lot of false bravado in that sense and i don't i never saw lando calarizian's bravado is false and maybe everybody's got to start somewhere and he but he never started as the 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 mayor or president or whatever of cloud city you know but I, I, that's what i thought is like he seemed a little off base for what we see later mm-hmm. but maybe he grows into that you know the vibe i get with lando and i don't think it's changed with this movie is that lando like yeah he's a like he's a known smuggler but i don't think that necessarily means that he was like the one doing the smuggling. Like he seems like a very savvy businessman. Like in this movie, he came across as like a real estate guy. I think he even mentioned how he like bought a moon, like a tropical moon or something. And it ended up being like a big sinkhole or, you know, like a money pit. And that's kind of how I thought about him already. Like he's just like a business owner and that's kind of, you know, he's playing it straight when we meet him in empire, but that's kind of always been his vibe. Like he's, he makes these businesses that make him money, but I don't, I never felt that he was the one actually like roaming about stealing coaxium and, you know, smuggling them in the millennium Falcon. Like the millennium Falcon at this point is a pretty clean ship. Like it's more of like a, a luxury cruiser. Yeah. It's a I pleasure mean, yacht to entertain guests was for the, God's the sakes. It has like a materials. It has a chessboard on, on board, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's like for entertainment. Um, but it's fast because it's like it's both his yacht and his Mercedes. You know, now that I reflect on it, I feel like maybe it does set up the Bespin Lando a little bit better to have him putting up a front in this one, at least is what I saw. Um, because when Han sees him on Bespin, he he's acting like he knows him. And Lando's like kind of keeping his distance from Han and like not really wanting to, to know him and, and not to have his trouble brought upon his city. And that's why he betrays him to the empire. So like, I guess that like, uh, that's, that to me seems like a, a reform person, you know, like trying to, you know, square their life away and having like a blast in the past come in and wreck it. So I guess it makes more sense to me because like Lando knows the trouble that Han is after this point. So any subsequent interactions with him, I guess it makes sense that he would, you know, not really be into Han or have tried to change. Do you think that they see each other between this movie and when we meet Lando for the first time in Empire? 
if they want to make money in the sequels, then <laughs> then yes. Well, it, it, I've heard rumor that Kathleen Kennedy is thinking about a Lando standalone. What do you think about that? They're going to do a standalone for everybody. They're going to do a Leia standalone. I don't know. I think they're going to learn a lot with this movie. Young Luke. Uh, I don't think so. Obi Wan. We got a Boba Fett. We got a. I think after this one, they may stray from the main characters, but I think I think Lando would have been the better choice for a standalone instead of Han. Like you could still give Han some backstory, and you know, having seen this movie, I don't regret that this movie was made. I do enjoy it. I I like it a lot. I'm glad it's here. I I, I wonder. I don't know if sales would have been better, but I don't like to think from that point of view. Any, but I, but I, I wonder what a Lando movie would have been like, you know, because like he he could have been a an interesting character on his own. Like he could have his own backstory. There's like nothing to Lando yet, so you really could do anything, and people wouldn't mind as much because with Han Solo, like I said at the top of the show, not a whole lot of people were like really asking for a backstory for Han because the whole fun part of Han is that he's sort of this like mysterious loner well that's the favor i think that this movie is going to do for the star wars universe is it's pushing off from the episodic films essentially like plot point wise like aside from like the the backdrop of the empire because we don't get the rebellion until you know like five six of the way through this movie you know um it's just the empire foraging like for new worlds to dominate or whatever you want to say about that like, this is the first one that didn't rely on plot points from the episodic films. Like, Rogue One was just about setting up a new hope and setting up the rebellion and setting up the Death Star. And it was just, like, that that was a story that needed those episodic films. This one, you know, to tell the story of Han Solo, who, you know, we need to get to a point where he's not linked to the rebellion at all, didn't need the rebellion to tell that story, which is... Part of why it was weird that they brought it in at the end, but <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I like that part of it, and I like what that did for it because it told stories that didn't have to do with the Skywalkers and the Force. Like they didn't even talk about the Force in this. There was no "May the Force be with you." There was no nothing. There was, there was none of it. Um, you know, we almost got away with no lightsabers. <laughs> almost, <laughs> almost. Hmm. Let's just talk about it. Yeah, that's the the giant red spiky thing in the room. All right, so the the big cameo in this movie was, of course, Darth Maul. Not of course, definitely not of course. There's no <laughs> of course in that. Give me your thoughts. You go first. I just think it's out of left field for half the audience, and the other half is really into it. I think like there are equal parts for this that are saying, like, what is this dude doing here? And I feel like they had to ignite the double-sided lightsaber to remind those people who this person was, just in case you forgot about this character that was in in one action scene. I think I mentioned that I was mad at the beginning of this movie, and I was mad for the last 10 minutes of this movie, too. Like, the first 10 minutes of the movie, 10, 15 minutes, I was mad, and then the last 10 minutes, I was mad. It was just stuff that shouldn't have been there. You know, like, the, the beginning it's fine whatever but the end it was just just sequel fodder you know i wonder so much about the sequel um what the sequel could be i mean there's no sequel in development i, I was gonna say alden ehrenreich is signed for three movies on this one but if you yeah, remember which is weird it's not that it's not weird if you see what they're trying to do at the end of this movie with setting up a, a sequel 
you know, like they, they have him go into Tatooine to check out what's going to be Jabba. They have uh, Kira going off and starting her own crime syndicate, which is definitely going to come back into conflict. They have Han Solo's father, which is not confirmed dead and not confirmed out of his life completely yet. Mm-hmm. They have Darth Maul, who is apparently still existing. So, like, I, I don't know. Like, how is Han going to go up against Darth Maul? You know, is he going to outsmart Darth Maul in the next one? What? There's just so much stupid stuff that Darth Maul being in this movie brings up for me. Like, so much baggage. Like, the, if they're going to put him in the next movie, are they going to expect everyone to go back to the Clone Wars and catch up at this point? Are they going to have to explain his origins, in which case they're going to have to talk about the Force and stuff, and the, the, the like, the, the Night Sisters? Um, they're, are they going to have to talk about you know, the spider legs like that he had, <laughs> is he going to have to recount that in a flashback? Like, no, I, well, well I the answer is no. And he's just going to be this dude with robot legs that's back for no reason when they could have just come up with a, a better. Well, villain. I think that's enough explanation for somebody who saw the prequels. Oh, do you think, do you think this was like a Snoke response because people were mad that they just came up with a, like a new villain and that immediately got done. So like, Oh, well we need another villain that people know. Like we need to get them something. I, like there wasn't enough. They knew in this movie, there was too much new stuff in this movie. We got to bring back something that they're familiar with that they can latch onto. I don't know. Personally, I love Darth Maul. I love what they did with the character after. Come on. I, I let's be real. I grew up in the time of the prequel movies, those were like the movies that were coming out when I was a child. I went and saw everyone in theaters. Like those were important movies to, to me growing up, no matter how good or bad they are, like they are important. And I love Darth Maul. I mean, he scared the shit out of me as a kid. He was really cool. Like he did flips. Like when the games came out, I always wanted to play as him because he was the best. And then like they killed him off. Like that was nothing. And I was like, oh, well, I feel like there could have been more. And then there was more. He was nothing. He was nothing. But they made him something. Like they gave they gave him backstory, and the backstory was actually interesting. And they kept it going, and it was interesting up through the end until he was, you know, he's killed off really quickly by Obi Wan Kenobi. Whoa! Spoilers for Rebels, guys. Whatever. I gotta start watching that. I have to start watching. That. That's on me. Everybody should know this, right? You knew this. Well, I only knew it because I was just reading tweets about it, and and reading it's, it's hard to avoid. Reddit posts about that but yeah i mean like so obi-wan is going to finish off darth maul at some point in the future but everything in between that like it's actually interesting i love everything about him like when he's initially found like he's he's insane he's absolutely bonkers he's out of his mind he's just like full of rage and just like his hate kept him alive after yeah. being cut in half <laughs> and and then like the way that he comes up from that and all of the different ways that he you know he tries to like find his way to obi-wan kenobi and it it all comes back to this like poetry where like it he... rhymes it's poetry it rhymes <laughs> it comes back to tattooing in the end and i i love that like everything about the darth maul story arc i love like there's like the weird you know witchcraft mythology that they bring into to star wars that is all wrapped up in the dathmir saga like all of it's there i love it um, I, I wonder what this means for a sequel though. Like I'm, I've been, you know, I've done a little bit of reading about possible sequels. There's nothing confirmed yet, but all Naren Reich, you know, like, like you said, he is contracted to appear for another movie or two. So is Felicity Jones do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'd like to see that, but all Naren Reich, he, he mentioned that, you know, I think it was an interview with screen rant that if he were to do more Han Solo movies, he would want to do them as like, 
standalones, not necessarily uh, direct follow-ups to this movie, but more or less like Indiana Jones. And why not? Like, what a great place to be in. <laughs> what a great career to have, to have Han Solo-related Indiana Jones-type films where you just have different adventures. Like, yeah, that of course, that would be good for you, Alden. Yeah, he loves that Disney money. Uh, John Kasdan said he's totally open to writing another one. If he did, he would like to write one that includes uh, a bounty hunter. Kasdan also into Disney money as well. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, like John Kasdan, he's now into it. Like he's finally into the Star Wars universe. Like it, he doesn't have to like rely on his dad anymore. He's written a Star Wars movie. He could, you know, if he wants to, and the studio wants him to, like he could do another one. He's more in the door than anybody else at this point. But if he were to do one, uh, he mentioned that he would want to do one with bosk as uh, maybe a villain to uh, like a or like a foil to hanso it could be interesting he was mentioned in this movie he's he's around at that time and he's kind of like in the same racket not necessarily like an enemy but maybe like an opponent of type um and then of course there could be a lando movie at some point which donald glover said he could be into um there's a lot of options but when it comes to darth maul man i don't know like i i liked it i know that you definitely didn't. <laughs> I really didn't like it. You mentioned to me that it took you out of the movie. How so? Kind of by what I I described where, you know, we had this more or less, you know, self-sufficient film aside from the, <laughs> the entire premise of Han Solo's Kessel Run. Yeah. Um, but I just mean like in terms of like Paul Bettany was... I thought a pretty cool villain. And then I remember reading an interview or like a, seeing a, a clickbait tweet being like, Paul Bettany says that he is, his villain is not the big bad of the movie and being like, well, okay, they're going to reveal something. Mm. And then I didn't know if it was going to be a Boba Fett thing. I didn't know if it was going to be some other, like if Jabba the Hutt was going to come crawling out of that hologram. Like what it, it just took me out of the movie because it just made me th- like be like, Oh, okay, let's go back to clone wars again. And like, I, I just don't know how anybody seeing it, not knowing what happened in the Clone Wars, would perceive it. Because there's never been, like, required reading for any of these movies, you yeah, know? like especially these anthologies. Then it just becomes a Fast and the Furious movie, you know what I mean? Where, like, people are just coming back from the coming dead for, for perf- like, no good reason at all. Like, Letty is just back in Fast and the Furious, you know? Like, it doesn't make sense why these people are coming back, but they're just going to retcon it. And so, like... This, for someone who hasn't seen The Clone Wars, which I know is canon, but is also a a children's television show, you know, that many adults like myself and you uh, have enjoyed. But, um, yeah, it's like a cartoon show that is now going to be considered required reading if you want to know why this thing happened the way it is. It's not like... You know, like Snoke is not doesn't have any required reading to know with who he is, and there will be some. You know, like there'll be novels that come out, and I mean, like Kylo Ren isn't even required reading to know who he is. Like the movies are going to tell you, but like that's what I mean is like if Darth Maul just shows up, then we have to contextualize him. Like nobody cares who Darth Maul is that we've seen in this movie. Han will not care because he doesn't know who Darth Maul is. Uh, Kira won't care because she doesn't know what the Sith are or doesn't care what the Sith are. The only person who cares what Darth Maul is at this point is uh, the Emperor, who obviously does not have any interaction with him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or And Obi-Wan, who, we do, who does have an interaction with him. So, like, any trajectory for this villain is boring as hell to me. Because it's just there's too much. Like I said, there's just too much baggage that comes with this villain. Instead of creating something new that you want to learn about, you have something 
that you want to learn about, but the answer's already been given for most people. It's not a good surprise. I don't think it's, I mean, to me, it's not boring because I am interested in how they fit this in. Like, I think we, you know, we've kind of established the general timeline, but when I saw it, I was taken out of it. Like when I was taken out of the movie when I saw Darth Maul, but I, not for the same reasons. Like I was just trying to figure out, wait a minute. Okay. Okay. Interesting. But where does this fit? Like, how does this fit into the arc that I know of Darth Maul, who I followed? Him and his brother just want to take over every crime syndicate, right? Wasn't that kind of their goal at the end of Clone Wars? Yeah, but is his brother alive? Because remember, his brother's killed. So it's like, is this is this before his brother's killed? After his brother's killed? Because he has two legs now. He's not Spider Maul, so he, he does have the two legs. So that places him at that point. And... This is, we know this takes place before Rebels, so it's before, you know, the old Master saga. Like, there's, I guess there is still a gap of Darth Maul to fill, but it, if we get more movies and we learn more about Darth Maul, I think we're going to have, like, the longest continuous timeline for one character is going to be Darth Maul, which I like because I like his story. And so that's why I'm interested. I'm, I don't think it's boring at all because I, I want to know, I guess I want to know what happens between... What happens, you know, like with with him and Savage Press, all the Clone Wars stuff, and then what leads up to Rebels, where there is a gap, and then I believe he's initially found uh, in. You haven't seen that yet, right? What Rebels? The part where he comes in on Rebels. No, I, I've seen one episode of Rebels, the first episode. Oh man, please, droids in distress. That's not even like. Ugh, it's not even very good for the first season. Okay, please watch that. That's your homework and. He does come in later. I'm not going to spoil when, but like I, I'm interested in how he gets from there to there. To me, that's interesting, and I I can see like there's a totally valid argument for for you and anybody who hasn't seen that much or isn't even interested in that story as to like wait why like does it have to be him and like wait what's the motivation behind like lighting the lightsaber like is he just like flexing in front of kira because she's new to this like did kira know who she was calling she's like oh cool a stick that's made of light that's awesome yeah but did she when she turned that ring in the thing like did she know who's gonna be on the other line i don't think she did i think that's why that happened he wanted to like flex his muscles and like no it was just like it was the same as any other thing in rogue one when like r2d2 and c3po show up when like they sort of have business because they're part of the rebellion i guess being in the shot it's like it's like dr evazan and panda baba really on uh on jetta you know it's like it's just something for the fans and i guess you could argue that it's trying to set up a sequel which you know is still up in the air at this point it's it just like it's a looky looky for the audience to light that lightsaber up. It's like remember this dude. Well, he's back. It's it's it just it was too fast and the furious for me. And you know, like I know Star Wars is not high art, but like I expect it to have better plot twists or like better storytelling than Fast and the Furious. Maybe I'm maybe my my aspirations for this this are too lofty, but I'm kind of over the surprise character reveals. You know, like. I, speaking as maybe one of the few people that got everything they wanted out of Last Jedi in terms of like race parentage and the subversion, like I don't want my like that. That's like Darth Maul is a different type of subversion of expectations. It's just like a it's a tie-in 
to sort of bait on the people that may have hated the last Jedi. I feel like, mm-hmm. like they they could have put anybody in that scene. They could have put literally any character. Boba Fett as a hologram. Jabba the Hutt as a hologram. They could have put. I expected Jabba. Yeah, actually. they could have put Palpatine as a hologram. In my mind, there are like three different versions of that scene with three different holograms, and they picked one that seemed like it would get the biggest rise out of the audience. And clearly it did because like I said, half the audience probably was like, what's this dude doing alive again? And the other half is like, Oh, it's that dude. That's kind of weird that he's here now, I guess like you. <laughs> when she first did that and I saw the the hologram pop up, I totally expected Jabba because I thought, okay, if she's going to turn and she's going to like take over, you know, this opportunity that is now in front of her now that she's killed her boss she's probably going to call ahead to the place where Han is going to go next. And it seemed likely that that was going to be Tatooine and Jabba the Hutt. So like, why not team up? And then there would be like a setup for the next movie. But when it wasn't, it's like, okay, this is definitely interesting because I don't know. There's, there's a lot there. You remember in the clone wars, I believe Darth Maul and Savage press actually go to Jabba's palace and like demanded that they, he like team up with them. So there could still be something there because Jabba, like he helped them take over Mandalore. Or, like that was the plan. I, it's been a really long time since I've seen this, but I, I think there's still a tie in there. And I think we can still go into solo too, if that ever comes to pass. And they're all at, at some point Tatooine is, is going to be the place where stuff kicks off. Han and Chewie are going to go there. They're going to try to figure out what this new job is. Kira is now teamed up with Maul and Maul isn't necessarily like he's, there's no reason for him to necessarily be after Han. Like I think he's probably just going to like chalk that whole solo one arc up to a loss maybe, but yeah, cause he's got bigger fish to fry. He doesn't give a shit about some, you know, small time smuggler like Han Solo, but I think that's where this is going to go. I think it's somehow going to tie back into the deal that Jabba made with Maul and somehow tie into Han Solo coming there to get the deal. Maybe possibly at some point they're probably going to tie Darth Vader back into it because in the comics, I believe Darth Vader went back to Jabba on tattooing. It's like his first time back on the planet since he left and that's a whole thing. And it's going to be somewhere around the same time. Well, no, I guess it's a little further on. That's after a new hope. After a new hope, Man, yeah. I don't know. It, it, it's getting all. It, it's getting. It, I wouldn't say mucky, but like it's there's getting hairy. There's a, there the the threads are coming closer. Like the 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 patches in this quilter are becoming fewer and far between. So we're starting to mesh together this full story. And I don't know. Personally, I love Darth Maul. I'm excited about it. I don't. <laughs> I don't expect other people to be as much, but Darth Maul has always kind of been one of my pet favorites so i was down with it whatever (laughs) um can we i i feel like we we kind of maybe jump too far ahead but i do not want to forget about beckett and uh val yeah she was so underutilized i was actually really bummed i I was going into this thinking that she was uh what's her name staros sana sana staros and i think they leaked that rumor to misdirect people like you yeah, well, it's a bummer, and <laughs> I guess, but also, I mean, they killed her off immediately, so clearly was not Sana. There's still room for that story. 
Yeah, timeline. totally. I mean, they haven't done it in the comics yet, as far as I know. I'm six months behind, but but I don't think that they've done that in the story. They've kind of they've introduced Sana. And they just yeah, of, they introduced the the topic. I think maybe they were leaving that option open for a movie. Maybe. Right, and I think maybe again in a, in a Han Solo sequel, we'll get Sana in this. But I was hoping Tandy Newton would would be that. Oh, she's fantastic, but so underutilized. Yeah, it was a bummer to see her go. But she she helped with who I think my favorite character in the whole movie was 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 definitely Woody Harrelson. I think Woody Woody Harrelson. I don't know personally, like from a human perspective, what he's like, but as as an actor, I think he's he's a gift to the human race. <laughs> I thought we were both a little apprehensive about his role last time. Um, Just kind of like we kind of talked about how when when you know that he's in a movie, you're like, okay, I think I kind of know what he's gonna get. He's gonna be kind of like that, you know? Oh yeah, like Woody Harrelson kind of guy. But I like that's the thing is that he that's a gift is to be the Woody Harrelson kind of guy. That drawl, <laughs> that sarcasm, that cockiness. I think it's the cockiness. I mean, like I guess like what was the Will Smith movie? I think I said the exact same thing last time we talked about Woody Harrelson. But like, was it nine pounds or like twelve pounds or whatever? A certain amount of weight with Will Smith and Woody Harrelson was in it. And in that movie, he played kind of like a shy blind man who you know, like mm. not that cocky Woody Harrelson type. But Woody Harrelson plays cocky the best and who better to teach Han Solo how to be a cocky asshole than Woody Harrelson? You're not wrong. I mean, he, he really was kind of like the archetype for what we know of the Han Solo character. It seems right. like Han really learned a lot from him. Like going into it, the promotion materials and like the interviews and stuff that I did read were like, this is Han Solo's mentor. And, you know, like, although they probably only spent like two weeks together, I guess, in the long run of this whole thing, um, it definitely, you know, he rubbed, they rubbed off on one another. And I mean, Han killed him. So, you know, like there's, there's that intimacy there and, you know, it, killing he, your master, you know, he killed nice, his uh, master and his master wasn't even bummed. He was kind of proud. Yeah. And, uh, it's a nice, you know, Han shot first kind of thing as well. That's yeah. where he learned the lesson. So that, I mean, that kind of settles it there with, uh, the whole who shot first thing. Cause it's like <laughs> Han wouldn't, wouldn't, he wouldn't not have shot first. Exactly. He learned from his master. Uh, yeah, it was good. Um, he, he was just like every scene he was in was, was a pleasure. Even when he betrayed them all at the end, I was like, I mean, we saw it coming a mile away. The dude behind me just goes, Oh, Beckett before he walks out. <laughs> <laughs> it was really funny. I was just like, it's like, and now let's, can you come into the room please? And then just, Oh, Beckett right behind me. <laughs> and then he just walks out and it's like, yep, yeah, it's Beckett. That's funny. I like this duster. He had a cool duster on and like. Just his whole vibe as a character. Yeah, he moved on in true Star Wars fashion. He moved on from the death of one of his loved ones very quickly. Yeah, well, that, I think that was supposed to also show that he's the Han Solo. Like, I think Woody Harrelson did Han Solo better than Alden Ehrenreich. Honestly, oh man, oh man. Like, if it was, if you could, if you could de-age Woody Harrelson, you know, twenty-five years, then you'd probably he have... still wouldn't look the part, man. <laughs> well, I mean, his hair. I don't know about the hair part, but like he he could have played Han Solo pretty much. I don't know about the accent. Maybe probably would have had to lose this, lose the drawl, but like Woody Harrelson has played the same character since cheers <laughs> more or less, more or less, but it's, it's great. And I, I really liked his character too. What did you think about the meet cute between Han Solo and Chewbacca? They had me. Isn't that weird that yeah. they got me that I was not expecting Chewbacca to be that. But like how, but like now that I think about like how else would he've been introduced? Like, but I also didn't feel the life debt was really, um, established in this. 
Did you feel like I think the I thought the life debt was when he let Chewbacca go help help his people. Yeah. Yeah. And okay, just but be, just before we we move past that because I don't think there's a whole lot to that, but those wookies were scary. <laughs> the emaciated slave wookies? Yeah, cuz they didn't like have hair on their faces. They were more like uh Planet of the Apes. Suits. I think I was reading about that. I think it was to indicate that they were female as opposed like some of them. Some of them were females. Okay. I thought it was just to like differentiate them from Chewbacca in the scene. Cause when you yes. have a whole bunch of hairy Wookiees in a cave, it's like, wait, which, which, who, wait, who is that? Well, I think that was it. But also I think there was a female. I couldn't tell um, if there was a feminine shape to it, but that's entirely possible. I guess they're just hearkening back to the, you know, holiday special. Did you notice the part where they were petting, Alden Ehrenreich or Han Solo, the Wookiees were like like tussling his hair at, 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 when they were pushing the thing. No, I missed that. Dude, I totally thought about how you're like, doesn't that make Han Solo Chewbacca's <laughs> dog? You know, like I, they were like yeah. treating him like a little like animal thing at one point. You know, I, I know this was in the trailer, but the part where like he, he like says his age and then Han's like, you look great. I love that. I don't know. I laughed. I thought it was just, that was a cute little moment. Yeah. I mean, pretty much every line I could see Han Solo saying, like, I mean, sorry, I could picture Harrison Ford saying, yeah. Um, so that's the life debt to you. I thought so. Yeah, I guess. But like Han didn't do anything. He like gave him a, he gave him a whooping stick and that was it. Sure. But I, I think, I think Chewie was a little conflicted at that moment. He's like, okay, here, like, here are my people. Like I want to free them. But that, does that warrant a life debt? Uh, I don't know. Like maybe, maybe that's why he was conflicted and maybe the life debt was more or less like him being freed by Han because more or less, I mean, it, I mean, realistically, Chewie could have probably done that by himself. Maybe freed himself. Yeah. Like, Chewbacca's not dumb. No, he's not dumb. And, and that's the biggest thing about Wookiees is that, that people, they get a bad rap, you know, for being dumb, stupid animals, but they're not, they're, they're really intelligent, super intelligent creatures. And Han just happened to like notice that there was a crack at the top of the pole. And I, I guess like, I don't know, <laughs> maybe he wouldn't be able to pull himself out. And like, he had to use Han as like a grappling <laughs> hook to pull himself out. Dude, but... it was so good that he was just punching the <laughs> pole and like trying like to make it look like he was punching Han. And then the last one, he actually just throws him through the pole. Like yeah. Yeah. they got the, they got the chemistry down. Like that, that was what I loved. I also liked that we saw like a more spry Chewbacca, you know, like mm-hmm. Peter Mayhew, not able to move around like that anymore, right. obviously. So they passed the torch down to a younger giant man yes. who can run and and do that stuff like as soon as they escape they have chewbacca off and running i'm like whoa i haven't seen chewbacca move like that ever even in a new hope you know you mm-hmm. don't see that stuff so like that was really refreshing i also like the, the like the going from like the disgusting dreadlocked mud caked chewbacca <laughs> to the voluptuous like uh, yeah in the L'Oreal shower commercial uh, yeah that was definitely lord miller right there that was fully lord miller i like that i liked when when i he's like yeah i speak a little like i like that whole that whole inner you know back and forth where he's like just making those guttural noises like that's just silly like there was enough of those little lord miller moments in this movie i think that like were just right for me i think anymore it would have been like uh cloudy with a chance at chewbacca he never speaks Wookiee again, though. Nobody does. Nobody ever communicates with Chewbacca outside of Basic. No, he doesn't need to because Basic, you know, Chewbacca knows Basic, and he doesn't. He may not like speak it or choose to speak it or you know whatever the story is there. But I don't think he can. No, maybe he can't. Maybe he literally, like maybe his vocal cords don't even allow it. But I think for Han to show that he can speak a little bit of Wookiee, kind of set up that that foundation of trust. Yeah, that's true. I guess made him listen to him. 
that was what got his attention. Like, look, I don't think you're a stupid animal because if I did, like, why would I take the time to learn your language? I just wish that there was more Wookiee speaking <laughs> of main people because it's more, more so because it'd be fun to look at, you know, it's like Dory speaking whale and finding Nemo. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I, I loved, I mean, that's, if you're going to make a, a Han Solo movie, you got to have great moments between Han and Chewie, especially the shower scene. The shower scene was just like so intimate, like, you yeah. know, for like, that was like, that was like 15 seconds of, of a shot and like, it was like it struck me as like a like a old spice commercial or something like that like definitely weird for star wars cuz like nudity like you know you have you have like slave leia i guess is the the name sure. for that but like they don't really talk about nudity and like being naked and like weird like boundaries mm-hmm. in star wars ever like leia in the gold bikini is like clearly objectified and clearly uncomfortable and yeah but but owns it you know but like they're never like no one ever looks at her as like va va voom like in the movie you know she's clearly supposed to be a dancer for Jabba but but like Han doesn't make a comment when he can finally see her again or Luke doesn't like Luke's not like nice dress or whatever but like in this like you have two characters that are acknowledging that they're naked and you have Han being like I don't feel comfortable being naked near you <laughs> like I I was I was thinking about that a lot actually like I I was kind of I was watching I saw that scene I'm like okay on the face of it is very funny and then I was thinking like okay put myself in that situation if i were to like be in a shower and one of my friends just got in the shower with me that would be <laughs> ridiculously uncomfortable and i would leave right no i got that but what i really really like about that scene is like you know han says something to the effect of being uncomfortable but he continues bathing like no problem because i think if you <laughs> dig a little bit deeper like they're different species like who the f- cares you know like you've got han solo he's naked chewbacca's always naked but that's why it's so great though yeah it it makes them closer it just like that part there did more to illustrate their friendship than any other thing and like i guess if i walked away with from like with one thing from this it's like the han and chewie relationship and that was the most believable thing in this whole movie is is their relationship yeah and I, i i like that i thought i mean it works on a couple different levels because it's like it's funny you know, to to anybody watching it, people that, who maybe don't have like a very uh, woke sense of humor. <laughs> but if you dig into it a little bit deeper, like there's something to that. You know, it's like a it's a comfortability with a friend who is different than you. You're, you couldn't be possibly any more different. And it's totally fine to just take a shower at the same time. And his biggest grape, I think Gonzalo's biggest grape was just like. We couldn't go one at a time. <laughs> like, like, yeah, I like think, let me have some water. You're hogging the. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm thinking about it. Like, I'm taking a shower. My big muddy, sopping wet dog friend gets in, <laughs> and like, I'm already clean, man. Like now, I have to. I have to continue bathing because you're dripping your mud all over me again. It's like, come on. It's more like that than anything else. <sighs> what are the other little things i wanted to touch on we talked about the sequel possibilities it's like i mean i didn't i didn't take a whole lot of notes for this one i took no notes for this one actually uh this is the first time i didn't take any notes so i don't know i i think we covered it like it's it's a good movie i had fun with it when we left the theater i may and i were both like that was good it wasn't like even we like we were like that was good right like we weren't trying to like convince each other like we're both like yeah that was that was good that was fun like i didn't expect it, but that was good. 
to me, it was like the daredevil to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, it was like the, hmm. this is, I could have seen this more at home on a Netflix thing. Obviously, the budget and the effects were really great. Like when the coaxium, that's what it's called, uh, yeah. exploded on that planet, like beneath a train and like oh, collapsed yeah, yeah. that entire mountain. I, I I was really impressed by that effect. Um, and the uh, the space squid, I thought was really cool too. That was a really cool sequence. Oh, so cool. When it got like sucked into that black hole. Yeah, it's just like, like tearing it just torn up. torn apart like, and you saw its skull. Yeah. That it, was really like, cool. Imagine how big that thing must be for like gravity to eat it away that slowly. Like it's a, essentially this is a black hole. Do you think Neil deGrasse Tyson had to like deactivate his Twitter <laughs> account to stop himself from just <laughs> saying awful things that would make everybody angry? <laughs> well, if you know. know the like the event horizon uh, would actually just looking at it, if you're close enough to see it, you're being sucked into it and you're gone and spaghettification blow like <laughs> like you need to retweet that as soon as he starts doing that because he's going to do that in the next three days. Probably. Wait, wait, oh no, 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 we got to talk about Rio, Rio, Rio. That he was my okay, like so Woody Harrelson right below that Rio for me. He was the pilot. Uh, he was like the the I guess he the was little the, like the, monkey the man we couldn't monkey... figure out in the the trailer. Yeah, like he had a way bigger role than I thought he was going to have, and it was John Favreau. I, I yeah, I, I knew it heard the voice, and I was like, I heard the voice, and I was like, that sounds like John Favreau. It is John Favreau. Yeah, they're they're giving him anything he wants now. I just think that he that character that little cg character like did more for me than probably han solo did in terms of like empathy and like i felt more for rio yeah like when you have a character say something like bad way to go is like to die alone or whatever you know like that was just like we knew that character for maybe 15 minutes maybe 20 minutes yeah but he makes you love him right away because he's he's like he's immediately accepting he's funny like his delivery his voice acting was so good like i never really thought about john favreau as anything besides happy from like iron man oh really i mean what 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 do you think of him as like um what's it called uh chef Well, I didn't see that. I really want to. Oh um, man, you should see. It's that. been on my list forever. Host of uh, host of Pot Save America. No, <laughs> no, you're an asshole. <laughs> Not that John. <laughs> no, it just like um, I never thought of him as like a great actor, but I think he really like his voice acting in this really proved it for me. I know I'm not giving him enough credit where it's due, but. But now I now I am. <laughs> no, I mean I mean he's he's been around for a long time. I mean you know he's he's more of a producer and a director now I guess. But um, I mean he's done he's done voice acting before. He was in the okay. He's not in the most recent Jungle Book movie apparently, but he's in the one that came out in 2016. Did you get that trailer? Were you confused? I didn't get that trailer. No, I saw I saw a bunch that I'd already seen. But no, we my friends and I had uh, our group chat was like, why is there no, another Jungle Book movie happening? I looked at man. I'm like. This just happened, right? It's because the last one made a billion dollars. Yeah, it's not a sequel, though. I know, but it's still the same. It's like a similar property, and it'll confuse the hell out of people. Yep. They're like, oh, we can do this again and throw in Benedict Cumberbatch, and it'll sell, sell a ton of tickets. Like, I don't know. He, he's been around. Like, obviously, Elf is one of my all-time favorites, so. Well, regardless, like, Rio, love that character. Um, I love what they did with him with, like, pulling his pants up in the beginning and, like, indicating like showing us that it's not who it is and having Han figure it out. And like, I think he served the story really well and like just kind of reinforcing to Han that you don't want to go alone and like showing kind of the ghost of Christmas yet to come, I guess. Mm. I just, I, yeah, I, I think that character was something special for the star Wars universe that you don't really like, we didn't get that in rogue one. I think like 
like Saw Guerrero is too weird to be that kind of character that yeah. kind of educated on you on the importance of and then like the, the the how temporary life is you know like you didn't get that from him you didn't even get it from like Jin Erso like you're and 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 the only one teaching name? any lessons was the blind right but you liked what was uh Chirrut and Baze Baze. Yeah, like their their relationship, whether it was like romantic or like just an extreme brotherhood. Um, I like I, I I really loved their relationship in that, but I didn't. It didn't teach me anything mm-hmm. about like love or relationships. It like like I don't know, like Rio, like just dying alone or sort of alone next to Han in that pilot's chair, mm-hmm. without like uh, sitting on top of the score of his life that he was going to retire on. That was something that was for some reason more tragic than dying on, uh, what is it? Whatever it's called. Scarif. Scarif. Yeah. Than dying on Scarif. Which they had to mention in this movie too. Did they? Uh, yeah. Well, the, well, they were talking about places where you could possibly make another score of Coaxium and, uh, and she mentioned that one of two places that she knew of would be Scarif. Because of what had happened there or. Is no, that because that hadn't that... happened yet. This is pre Rogue One. Ah, Okay. But at this point, like that's it's becoming an outpost for the budding empire. Hmm. You got to remember this. This movie takes place in a time when the empire is not yet a huge force. Like there are, we we saw a few stormtroopers here and there. There were not that many, and there are still far too many crime syndicates that have not aligned themselves to the emperor. It's also cool because they haven't. Um, the stormtrooper thing. Someone pointed out on Reddit my best source for all things star Wars, um, that like, this was the, like the, the, the infantry that Han was a part of was not stormtroopers. That was cool. Right. That whole scene was neat. Yeah. Like that's where I wish the movie had started almost actually, you know what? I wish somebody else had pointed out this out also. So this is not my idea, but I think the, the credits or like the, the title card should have showed after he split up with Kira and after he got his name, like, I think it would have made way more sense to, to, pace the movie that way oh yeah how he got his name is there is that even worth comment because i mean absolutely it was, it was, not it was so inconsequential infuriating but funny you know in its own way it's just like okay yeah <laughs> yeah why not no it was not interesting to me at all and uh i i would have just preferred his name to be solo i didn't need to i like the thing about star wars names is like skywalker you know like vader uh, the Dutch for father, you know, like it's, it's, these names are like just weird ass names and we don't need explanations. Like they're symbolic already as they are, you know, like star killer was Luke's original name. Right. And like dark lighter, you know, like there's just so many dark lighter God. Organa, Leia Organa, like as gibberish sounding and like you know, that these names are like a lot of them are symbolic and or like what is the word like indicative of their character type you representative know, like, yeah like it's like it's part of their character is their name and like the words that they're using whether whatever like you know real world roots these words are derived from um so like having a last name like solo was less like oh that's a fake name versus it's to me, it's always just been like, it's very fitting that his name is Solo. Hmm. And not that his name literally was given to him because, because he was of that alone. Yeah. yeah. And so that's why it was that that could have been left out for all I cared. Um, but now it's canon. So there you go. Uh, maybe, oh, you know what? There's something we always have to look forward to. And that is... The sail barge? 
no dig modification you know oh, dig is gonna do what he needs to do to this movie and i hope he gets rid of the the name i think he will i, l- I like thinking about that stuff too i don't think uh have we got a we haven't got a dig modification edit of the last Jedi yet no rush dig no rush on that no not at all, all. Right? Not you at take all. all the time you want he, did you see his edit of the fight though the lightsaber fight no i'm i, I am sorry to say that i've been very out of star wars twitter for a couple months now School's just to avoid spoilers or whatever no just just life in general going on yeah okay so uh listeners dig modification our favorite fan editor he's edited uh rogue one he's edited force awakens uh some amazing work um check out our past episodes on him and but uh he's also he's he's begun editing the last jedi now that the blu-ray's out and he took the slow motion out of the last fight between kylo ren and luke skywalker and i will definitely say it improved the fight for me like tenfold hmm. like no no more matrix slow motion like it definitely it just it brings it back to uh, uh a new hope um on the death star between obi-wan and darth vader like it made the fight more like that more about just like no ninja stuff no matrix stuff no episode one darth maul stuff it was just like two dudes swinging lightsabers at each other dodging I think I, I'm really looking forward to his last Jedi edit. I know he's going to get a lot rid of a lot of the goofy stuff and that'll be a sacrifice that has to get made. I'm looking at the page now and, uh, he's calling his edit for the last Jedi legacy of the Jedi, a last jet it. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Well, I um, hope it's not the last jet it. He's got a, he's got an, a, a 21 point edit list so far on that. And here's an interesting thing. He's starting another project called star wars the original trilogy one death star to rule them all is he trying to i couldn't even guess on this one here's the premise what if the death star didn't fully explode at the end of a new hope what if the rebel fleet was seen fleeing at the end of a new hope what if the death star in return of the jedi was repaired was the repaired death star from a new hope that's the premise for this idea i wonder if he'll be able to finish that that'll be interesting it is the only thing is the size difference between Death Star One and Death Star Two. If you compare them, Death Star Two is massive compared to Death Star One. Sure, but I mean, there's con there's very little context in the uh, in the actual movies for that. You mean to compare it to like like to it, within the movie, like what's going to give it scale? Yeah, sure. You'd have to know how big the moon of Endor yeah, is, or yeah. or you have to know how big Yavin is compared. There's very little say. I mean, what I don't they actually like. Ex- in the movie that it's bigger i haven't seen return of the jedi in way too long i mean maybe you could construct it around the old one and that's why there you have to fly into the the death star 2 to destroy it that's one idea but I, i'm i look forward to everything that dig does so me too we'll see guy. so that's solo that's solo and i we jumped around a lot but i think we hit everything that was important to me so i mean like last words i guess do you have any last words on Solo for now until we have to talk about it again in like a week when something else comes up? Yeah. Um, well, hopefully I'd like to see it again in theaters for at least one more time. I, it's a good movie and I, I think I'll actually enjoy seeing it again and being able to pick up on a, a couple more things. You know, usually the second time around you pick up on more of those little fan service details that maybe you missed the first time. So um, there's a couple things that I've, I've seen just around Twitter that I'm going to be looking for. And yeah, I liked it and I'm looking forward to seeing it again. It made me appreciate Rogue One. Ah, uh, I still love Rogue One so much. I guess it it was almost the opposite of Rogue One, where like Rogue One relied a lot on nostalgia, 
and didn't innovate too much. Whereas this one, I feel like innovated a lot and could have relied on nostalgia, but chose not to rely on it. Mm. You know, like it, it was not, nostalgia wasn't a crutch for Solo, like it was in Rogue One. Did this feel like a Ron Howard movie to you? Only when Clint Howard was in it. Clint Howard was in this? Where? He was the droid guy. Oh, really? <laughs> the, the the one that uh, the L3 yells at. The guy with the beard and the long hair. Oh, man. Interesting. Ron Howard actually leaked that while they were mixing sound for the movie. I was really actually, I was like, didn't the guy who leaked the uh, Aquaman photo, the composer, get like super like yelled at for that? Eh, Ron Howard can do what he wants. Right, I guess he's not the composer, but like it was essentially the same thing. And obviously Aquaman is the main character of Aquaman, Clint Howard, sadly is not the main character <laughs> of Solo, a Star Wars movie. He could have done a hell of a Harrison Ford, though. Um, but yeah, it, um, it didn't feel like a uh, Ron Howard movie to me, um, but I don't know what would feel like a Ron Howard movie. I mean, uh, uh, Apollo 13, right? It didn't feel like Apollo 13. <laughs> as much as I kind of wonder what could have been with the Lord and Miller movie, I really like what Ron Howard did. I, I think it all came together really nicely. And I loved the Warwick Davis part in this one because he actually had a part. It wasn't so much just him in a mask. You could actually see his face and he actually had lines. Someone said that was the same character from episode one. Well, he played two characters in episode one. The one was like the little Rodian and then. Well, definitely not that character because that was not. He, he was just kind of like he was just a, like a, a, a guy in the crowd. Well, someone was saying that this character on whatever planet we end up on, oh, that's what I was missing in this, the title cards. I didn't know what planet we were on. Weasel. Ever. They said he grew up on Tatooine. Yeah. I mean, he he's in the, the race for the pod race, or in the gallery for the pod race. Oh, were we supposed to know the girl who took off the helmet, the the rebel, I guess, the young girl? I don't know. I think that's something I need to read into a little bit more, but I don't think so. She took the helmet off and I was like, is she supposed to be Val and uh, Beckett's kid? Is she supposed to be someone I, I should know? Is she, It's just because she's a young girl and not an intimidating, you know, bounty hunter. Like, what am I supposed to be feeling right now? And it turns out, I think it was because she's a young rebel. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason. That's okay. That's another thing. Maybe I'll have to save it for another episode. We've gone long, but here's, here's something to chew on there between the movies and the books and the comics and the TV shows. There have been a lot of different places where the rebellion has started. And I know that it's the whole idea is that there's supposed to be a bunch of different sparks that eventually, you know, collide become the rebel alliance become the alliance alliance yeah all right so that's it that's episode 29 is there anything else you want to add mike we've gone pretty long um check out the episode notes for this one at banthafodder.fm slash episode slash 29 follow me at mike comite follow jacob at jacob tender follow us at at banthafodder.fm and also follow us at breaker.audio slash banthafodder bantha dash fodder what's breaker breaker is a new podcatcher um that's a name for a podcast client that you can get on your ios device so you know we've recommended overcast in the past which is a absolutely fantastic player um if you've used overcast because of us and you want to stick with it totally cool um breaker is a new company that i'm actually working with right now i'm doing some community management for them so i thought it'd be cool to plug our page there um breaker is a little bit different than overcast or 
uh, even the Apple podcast app because it has more of a social aspect. You're able to, um, to share episodes outside of the app like you are with just about everything else. But there's also sort of an inherent social aspect within the app as well. So if you join and your other friends join, you can recommend episodes to your friends in the app and it actually appears in their uh, podcast playlists so they can you know choose to accept those or, or swipe them away. Um, it's a cool way to share podcasts and you can actually leave comments on podcasts and you can like them, share them, do the whole thing. There's a lot of really cool stuff coming in this app and I'm really excited to be working with them. So check it out. It's breaker.audio. Uh, you can download the app to your phone. Just search for Pants Fodder. We'll be there. That's cool. Yeah, I think it is. All right, we'll see you guys next time. Thanks. Later. It's like a space ball scene, I feel like. (laughs) Ralph.